Today, I want to talk to you a little bit about New Year's resolutions. I don't know where you started 2017. I don't know if you came to church the first Sunday of 2017, but if you're here today, this is the last Sunday of 2017, and I just want to congratulate you on way to go. You're a finisher. You made it all year. So maybe you made every service. I don't know that. So today, just because you're here, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that you were here for every service. So way to go. Give yourself a round of applause. Way to go. If you're not, I'm supposed to take out my camera actually on my phone because Brother Jackie said he remembered where everybody sat and I was supposed to scan the room right quick, but I was supposed to call y'all into prayer before I did that, so uh, y'all escaped that one. But anyway, it's, we're, up, we're talking about a New Year's resolution or a New Year's maybe goals, and did you know that around 7 billion people make New Year's resolutions, make New Year's goals? Uh, I'm probably one of those guys, so uh, I like to make goals because if you don't aim at nothing, you guess what? You hit nothing, so uh, that's why I have to make a goal So I want because I don't want to hit nothing because I want to hit something. So anyway, I make a goal. But anyway, according to the Alabama Baptist here several months ago, I was looking at it and it was talking about uh, the top ten goals that people make. And you realize the median age of people today is 30.4 months. Okay, and, but in 2050, 2050, that's when I'll be, I may be in the nursing home down here, or hopefully I'll be with Jesus, because other than that, in the next five or six years, I think my family's going to remind me what my name is, but by 2050, the, it will rise to 37.9 months, so people are living longer, people are getting older, and with that, sometimes we kind of have goals, dreams, and ambitions for ourselves, and that's kind of what I want us to talk a little bit about today. And, and maybe what is our motivation behind those. But uh, the number one goal for everybody in 2018 coming up would be to lose some weight. Now, I, probably nobody in here, but that's just the number one goal of what everybody else's was. It was to lose some weight, to diet. I think we all despise that word, you know, especially uh, here I say that on the eve of us going on the Daniel fast. I told somebody we had to start a little bit early because of some stuff going on. So if I bite your head off, I apologize. It's probably because I'm just a little bit hungry and I want a Melly Yellow. So it's, uh, no, I'm not a Coke product, but I guess I'm advertising for Coke. But anyway, we lose weight's one of them. Uh, another one was get organized. We could all probably get a little more organized. Uh, spend less money and save more money. Uh, these are pretty general. Uh, number four was enjoy life to its fullest. Uh, I'm in that stage. I want to do that, no doubt. Get fit and healthy. That sounds like working out. So uh, some of you maybe want, maybe Chris can go. You can uh, teach us some things to help us better to be fit and healthy. Uh, learn something exciting. Now that sounds good to go and learn something exciting. Uh, the next one was to stop the use of tobacco. So I thought, well, how'd that one sneak in there? Uh, and then it was to help others with their dreams. Well, that's kind of good when you think about other people's dreams. Number nine was to fall in love. Uh, for some of you that I'm already in love, so for some of you who are in here, maybe you're not in love, and I wish that you were in love, but I fell in love uh, back in the early, well, let's say the, the late 70s, okay? That's uh, quite a few years ago. And I still am dating my girlfriend, my high school sweetheart, okay? So we're 38 years in. We kind of are like Brother Jack and Denise. We don't believe in divorce, but we do believe in murder. And so that means that if she leaves me, I'm killing her, you know, and if I leave her. And I say this now, it's recorded, so if something happens to me, y'all know that, or her, you'll see what happens. But anyway, uh, that's, that's fall in love. Good luck with that one on uh, your side. Uh, I'm, uh, I outkicked my coverage, and so I'm very excited to be in love with my sweetheart of 36 years of, fixing me 36 years of marriage, isn't it? Hang in there with me. 37? 
Well, hey, one year was so good, I forgot about it. All right, so <laughs> the last thing was this, to spend more time with family. Spend more time with family. Those are the top ten of, of, of what the Alabama Baptists thought was a, a good ten New Year's resolutions. Now, uh, I, again, I told you seven billion people are, are making a decision to do this. Only 8% will keep them. 8%. That means if there's 100 people in here, only eight of us are going to live up to uh, the standards of setting a resolution or a goal or a dream. And so I, just, I think it has a lot to do with what's the motivation behind the goal. I think the motivation behind the goal can change us. So, in uh, Corinthians, because uh, you know we're we're believers here, and you know we're hey we're we're a Christian church, we're a Baptist church, Christian church. God's doing great things. We've seen so many people saved. So, I think in Second Corinthians chapter five verse seventeen explains to me what our motivation should be. Matter of fact, it says these words: it "says Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature." I love it the way that it says in the King James Version. It says in ESV or NLT, it says a new creation. But this was that all things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. In other words, it ought to be the goal of every professing Christian that as new cre creation or new creature, that we not only have a new name, but we wear a new title. We're a new title, we, we, we have a new heart, we have a new nature about ourselves. Uh, that is the motivation that we should have. Uh, the renewed man acts from new principles. So as believers, and once we accept Christ in our heart, we become a new creation, and we want to act upon new, new principles, new guidelines, new rules, with new ends in new company, which means sometimes we've got to change the people that we hang out with. Now, I don't little story about when Connie and I had children. Uh, we, we had children, and uh, we, were, we were very young and naive, and, and we had kids early in, in, in our marriage, and uh, Mother's Day came around. You know, I, Mother's Day came around. Well, I, you know, she was the mother of my children. So I had this bright idea one morning that I was going to just get up early. And I love to tell you all stories about my mishaps and my stumbles because it can make you feel better about yourself. Uh, so I, I was going to get out early, and Joel gets in the car with me, and Megan was too little at the time, but we're going to go get a Mother's Day breakfast for my wife so she can have breakfast in bed, and, and Joel can be a part of this, and it will help him be a better husband one day. You know, he could maybe think about doing that with his kids. So I'm trying to be the model dad in this situation. So I go, and I, how many of y'all remember Food World? I mean, I, for some of y'all that didn't raise your hand, Food World is behind... The Dunkin' Donuts, okay? That was Food World. We grew up that being Food World. That's where kids hung out in the parking lots. You know, back in those days, they rode around Food World parking lot. They whipped around the Dairy Queen, went through Jill's, went bam, turned around in Food World parking lot, came back, made the lap. That's the way it worked. That was Pell City back in that day. Now, it's not that way today. It's a little bigger than that. But anyway, in the model dad, I thought, we're going to stop, and I know my wife likes a butter biscuit, and so we're going to get her a butter biscuit. Of course, I'm a little selfish in this. We're going to get gravy biscuits, you know? I mean, me and my kids, well, that's what we like. And then I got this bright idea that I would go up to Food World and I would pick out a corsage or a flower. You know, and so I go in there and it's like all these Mother's Day cards and there's all these flowers and they're yellow and they're red and they're different, they're mixed. And then there's a white one. And I got to thinking to myself, what if I buy her the wrong color flower and it don't match her dress? 
I, did, I mean, I didn't do my homework enough to know that I didn't know what she was going to wear to church that morning. So here I am now. I mean, I, hey, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just get the white one. Because the white one would be just right. Because it's going to go with everything. I didn't know the rules. I mean, y'all, I don't know why y'all do this to us women anyway. You, if there's rules, we need to know them. And somebody needs to print the book. But I go to church with my mother-in-law. And if you buy a white corsage for your wife to wear, it means your mother-in-law's passed away. <laughs> well, I had the right motives, but I didn't know all the information. I mean, I just didn't know all the information. I think sometimes, where's the book at that tells us how to buy that? I'm, I'm not even going to tell you all the story about I did the same thing with a, with a birthday card and accidentally picked up a card that had for my son. I just went, you know, because some of the time us men, we're just not good at that. We just grabbed the card. It looks cool on the outside. didn't read all of it. Got home. I'm a little war. Hands his, hands his mama a Mother's Day card or birthday card, and it's got an ugly word in it. I'm going, who bought that? Joel, how did you do that? And I was the one who bought that. But again, I had the right intention, but... I, you know, sometimes we need to know what the motivation behind it. Listen, as believers, can I tell you what our motivation is today? Our motivation is that we serve a God that loved us enough that they, he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins. That is our motivation. That is why we do what we do. So today I want to challenge you. Matter of fact, I want to challenge you in a very deep way. The title of our sermon today is going to be, It's Your Serve. It's Your Serve. And we're talking about tennis. We're talking about serving Christ. Your serve. And I know predominantly, hey, if you're in church today, I'm glad that you're here. If you're a believer, uh, man, I'm going to spray a lot of stuff on you. So hang in there with me. Uh, we're fixing to start a Daniel fast as a church, and we're going to be praying for three things that are very important. We're going to pray for a year of new beginning here at our church. We're going to be praying for a year of harvest. And this is a corporate fast that we're doing together. And then a year of service. So there's a place for every person here. So I thought, what better way to start our year off, to end our year, but to start our year off, saying, what are we going to do for Jesus? What are we going to do for Jesus? You know, Jesus done a lot for us. And listen, I'm going to come back later and tell you, you can't work your way there, okay? So don't panic on me and, get, and say, oh, he's works theology. That's what he's teaching. That's not what we're doing. But we're expected to serve. So let's take our Bibles, turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 24. I love Joshua. He's one of my favorite heroes in the Bible. Matter of fact, when I got saved, somebody told me, you've got to get a life verse. You've got to have a life verse. Well, I'd never been to church. I was an 18-year-old boy. I, I just went to church to play basketball and chase girls, and I happened to find that one. And So anyway, I, I had the basketball, and I had the girls. It's a win-win situation. I thought everybody should go to church. Now, before then, I didn't want to go to church because I was afraid that as soon as I walked in, they'd go, there he is right there. I told y'all he's a sinner. He's messed up. And you know what? They were right. But later on, they told me I had to find a life verse once I gave my life to Jesus. Now, again, I spent a couple of years, kind of, I went to start church. The first time I went to church, I was 16. I didn't grow up in church. I don't know all the church lingo. I didn't know how y'all act. Y'all had words I didn't know. I just, I came into church as a redneck wearing a hat, and, and I, I just wanted to play basketball because my buddy said that's what we, you had to do to play basketball. And also, when I got there, like I said, there were some nice-looking girls, so that also changes the landscape for a guy that don't know anything about church, don't know nothing about Jesus. The only time I knew anything about Jesus was Christmas at Mineral Springs. Somehow or another, Jesus, uh, Santa Claus knew I was coming, and he would leave a gift there for us, and we'd go to the church and pick the gift up. And I thought, wow, this is cool. Just go up to this church, you just pick up gifts. So I didn't know anything about church. We didn't do the church thing, okay? It was not my family's thing. We all worked on the farm. That was part of our responsibility. So I got this life verse, and my life verse 
verse is Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. It says these words, Have not I commanded thee to be strong and of good courage? Be not afraid, neither thou be dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Now listen, as a new believer, I'm just going to tell you, I'll share that verse with you. You can take it too and memorize it and use it in your life. Because as a young boy that didn't know the church, churchy stuff, I knew, though, that Jesus was going to be with me because that's what that verse said to me. That he wasn't going to leave me. He was going to be right there for me. And so Joshua became an important part of who I looked at in Scripture. And so Joshua... Uh, Chapter 24, verse 15, says these words, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, how many of you all have seen that on a plaque or something at your house? Well, voila, there it is. It's Scripture, okay? So we want to make sure that... that we don't just talk about it, that we actually try to live it. Who will you serve? Joshua was calling his people to repentance. He's calling the nation of Israel to repentance. Now, you've got to remember uh, Joshua. Uh, Joshua was a warrior. I mean, so for, for guys, we like Joshua. He was a conqueror. He was a warrior. Uh, Joshua didn't start that way, though. Joshua was a slave. Joshua was born into slavery. He was given the name Hoshea, which means salvation, but then also, when Moses met Joshua, he changed his name from Hoshea to Joshua, which means Jehovah is salvation. Isn't that right? Joshua is not salvation. God is salvation, isn't he? So Joshua's name, Joshua was a slave. His name gets changed when he meets Moses, and Joshua is, he's a slave in Egypt. Now Joshua is also Joshua the soldier. Joshua's first recorded act was defeating the Amalekites two months after the Exodus. Then there was Joshua the servant. Joshua the servant, he is called uh, Moses' servant. In other words, he's the official assistant to Moses. That's pretty heavy right there. Considering Moses is all that's talked about from Exodus chapter 3 all the way through Deuteronomy. I mean, that's, that's, uh, Moses is mentioned 50 times in the book of Joshua. He's not forgotten there. But how awesome it is to think Joshua the servant. He's not only a slave, he's, he's not only a soldier, he's, he's a servant. And then there's Joshua the spy. Y'all remember the 12 spies that were sent out to spy once they got over into the promised land? And Joshua and Caleb were the two that brought back a good report. The other 10 brought back a negative, we can't conquer them, they're too big. Uh, and, and so they swayed the whole city into changing their minds. So there's Joshua the spy. And then there's Joshua, the successor of Moses. Why do I love that scripture found in Joshua 1.9? It's because Joshua's fixing to take over for the icon, Moses, the leader. And God tells him, and he repeats this so many times in that first, first chapter, but he says, Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither thou be dismayed, for I am with you whithersoever you go. Do you know today we serve a God that's with us? Everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. So no matter what hardship you're going through this morning, no matter what struggle that you faced in the past and that we will face in the future, you are never alone because of the Jesus that we serve. Because Scripture tells us that He's with us all through this walk of life.
That's a reassuring fact today to know that Jesus is with us everywhere that we go. So I want to talk to you a little bit about service today. Now, most people, this is the point, say, oh, well, I'm fixing to sleep on you right here there, brother, for the rest of this because uh, I like coming to church. I like sitting in my little soft spot. Uh, don't ask me to do anything because that's just not who I am. But this morning, you know, if we're going to do a Daniel fast, if our church corporately, the pastor believes that God has called us into a Daniel fast, now I think it's very important that we, if we trust our pastor, and you should trust your pastor or you probably should go to another church, but uh, we need to understand that if God's called him there, then he needs our support. He needs our encouragement. He needs our help. I don't think Brother Jackie does this because he doesn't have anything else to do. I think Brother Jackie does this because he's a man called God who desires to do God's will for Eden Westside Baptist Church. Amen? Amen. Uh, we should, uh, I deserve, I mean, we should thank God for our pastor. So, service a lot of time is like an iceberg. We had the privilege several years ago, it was for our 30th anniversary, we went to Alaska. And Alaska is like one of the most beautiful places. You can't take a picture of it. I mean, because it's like you try to take a picture of it to kind of caption how cool it looks, and it just don't work. And we tried that. We brought all these pictures home. It's going like, it just don't explain the vastness of it. But while we were there, we're, we're, we're like on the ship, and we're going, and as we're sailing on the ship, there's, I mean, we're seeing like animals out there, and then all of a sudden there's these icebergs. And then, of course, I'm thinking Titanic then, you know, hey, man, we better watch out. There's icebergs. Maybe I should go tell the captain. He don't know. Like, he doesn't do this every day. But when you see an iceberg, you see the nice little pretty top of it, but you don't realize the iceberg is huge on the bottom. They're, they're, they're just, they're enormous. And so many times when you're serving God, it's the same way. What looks so easy and pretty on the outside is really a struggle. I bet you I could go ask Miss Thelma Jones. It's just so easy to do Revelation Walk, isn't it? Can I take that from you? She would probably go, why, well, sure you can. Or if I said, Adam, hey, Adam, uh, I mean, man, you play the piano so well. How awesome it looks when you play. Let me just sit in for you one day. I, I think it's not going to be. Hey, Brother Randy, I think I might could lead the music. Listen, I'm telling you, it's, some things on the outside, you know, are look a lot more glamorous than what they are on the inside. And that's the same way it is with service. Service, there's a hidden picture there. And two of our most deadliest sins that we deal with, which is the sin of slothfulness, lazy, okay? I'll just define that for you. And the sin of pride, loathe service. Because we live in a life today that's all about me, me, what can I get, how does this affect me, uh, I was telling the other service that one of the things we carried our students, you know, I, I told our students, you know, here I am, I'm jumping in, in the fire, and I'm saying, all right, kids, I'm so excited and fired up. Y'all want to go sing Christmas carols. Do y'all know how many kids really just go, hey, sign me up, brother. I'm in with you, man. I'm getting in the car. Can I drive? You know, I mean, that's just not what happened. I mean, I'm having to sell them on this idea of saying, hey, we're going to go sing some Christmas carols, and it's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. You know, and they're looking at me going, Man, who's the old guy that they have sent to do our student ministry because he wants us to go sing Christmas carols to people. And after we come back that night from singing Christmas carols, I'm just going to tell you, I didn't have to convince anybody. We went three or four different places. Everywhere we went, I'm looking around. We're in this one little place, this little lady. I, I'm not even sure she's living. Uh, when, we got, when we got there, I'm, I'm looking at her and I thought, gosh, this lady's passed away. She's asked me to go in there and sing to her. I mean, she's, and then all of a sudden... While we're there, this woman starts singing with us. 
And every kid in the store, every adult, we're all squalling. I mean, because we, that's, again, when you serve God and you give to God, you can never, you can never outgive Him. And the reward is always greater than the price that you pay for the service. So, folks, the sin of slothfulness and pride will stop us from doing everything. I, I, listen, I'm doing this really good sales job. Teenagers, don't listen real quick. I'm doing this really good sales job with our teenager right now. Tell them, hey, look, guys, I'm so excited. I'm going to take you all to Knoxville, Tennessee. We're going to go get on a roof that's 106 degrees, and we're going to take all them shingles off. We're going to dump them over this thing, and we're going to put some whole new shingles on there. We're going to replace some stuff. Might get bit by some wasps. Who knows? But we're going to climb up on a roof. Hey, y'all want to go? And they're all going, has he lost his mind? You know, dirt work, dirt. I'm not going to do that. I mean, what is he talking about? Listen, I can't tell you how many kids' lives that I've seen God change because they chose to serve God instead of get. You know, so many times it's all about the get in our life. And that's exactly the way that our system's set up. How's this going to affect me? Am I going to get applause for doing these things? Well, guess what? You're not. And if you're in it for that, you're in it for the wrong reason. And listen, God knows. That's why when you get to heaven, what's not, it's going to burn up. So listen, there has to be, an, in your inner being, there has to be something that says, you know what, I want to learn to serve God. I want to learn to be like Jesus. If we took the scripture at Mark 10, 45, it says, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and give his life a ransom for many. Now, what does that mean? That means Jesus came and served us. What an offering he paid for our salvation. He not only got, you know, experienced some, some beatings, but he died for our salvation. And so today, what I'd like to do is I want to give you some motives. I want to give you some motives today. Because I believe that motives matter in life. I want to give you some motives to help you choose how you will serve God. You see, Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Hey, if you want to serve the gods that our fathers served over with the Amorites, go for it, big dog. But if you want to go and serve Christ, then do that also. So today, I want to give you the option today to make the choice for yourself. And what kind of motive are you serving with? It's one thing to serve. It's another thing to serve because, man, I cannot not do student ministry. I've tried to retire. I, I mean, I've tried, I, I, keep, I, went and, I, went and been, I went and have been a missionary in the schools for the last 10 or 12 years now, and I, every time I keep going back to teenagers. I keep going back to teenagers. You know why? Because it's what God's called me to do. And so the more I keep trying to run for it, the more he sends me more of them. Matter of fact, he gave me a whole ninth grade basketball team to, to mess with this year, all boys. You know, I don't know if y'all mess with ninth grade boys, but ninth grade boys are different. You know, I mean, you just got to learn to get, get got to learn to get in there with them. But I don't know what God's called you to do, but it's been pretty easy for me to figure out what God's called me to do. Okay, so I want to give you some help for my failures. Okay, so I'm gonna, everything I'm giving you is what I've been messed up with. Okay, so that way you can feel good, and I'm not pointing at you, saying that you got to do this. I'm just saying this is how I messed up. Can you learn from my mistakes? And that's why I like working with teenagers anyway, because I believe that the, the students of today need to learn from our mistakes. Because we're not doing it right. They're growing up in a messed up world. And guess who left it for them? We did. We keep trying to blame somebody else, but we're the ones who left it for them. 
We, let, we wanted life better for them, didn't we? Was, what, did we make it better for them? Yes. We, oh, my goodness. Come on. I mean, y'all see what kind of world that we live in. i got grandkids. I'm scared for my grandkids. You know, I'm scared of what they're growing up in. Uh, I was reading an article. You know, I, I asked uh, David a while ago. I said, hey, look. I said, I was reading an article yesterday where they got bulletproof pulpits now. I'm thinking, what kind of society are we growing up in? You've got to have a bulletproof pulpit. And this is an AL.com article about bulletproof pulpits for your pastor. I'm going like, man, this is a crazy world that we're growing up in. So let's talk about motives today. Motives matter. So I want to give us six motives. Number one, we need to be motivated by obedience. Motivated by obedience. We should serve the Lord because we want to obey Him. John Newton, who wrote the great song, uh, Amazing Grace, said, and this didn't get in the song, but John Newton wrote this. He said, I am a great sinner, but he, meaning Jesus, is a great Savior. You see, the joy of serving comes from being obedient to the service, no matter what the service is. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 4, which says these words. It says, You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear Him and keep His commandments. And obey his voice, and you shall serve him and cleave unto him. We know we use that word cleave, we use that word when we get married. You know, we use that word, she'll leave your father and mother and cleave unto your wife. You know, you, you, you give it, you, that's now who you're cleaving to. So it says here, it says in Deuteronomy 13 4, it says, we need to obey his voice and to serve him. We need to obey his voice. We're motivated by obedience. John Newton says, I'm a great sinner. But He, Jesus, is a great Savior. We serve a great Savior. That obedience, we should be saying, you know, what can I do? We should never have to ask for nobody to help in the nursery. There should be a line. We should never have to ask somebody to do Revelation Walk. There should be a line, if that's a ministry that God has called here in our church. We should never have to ask someone to teach life discovery, because there should be a line of people who says, that's what I choose to do. You see, that's the generation, and that's the church I think we all want to belong to, isn't it? Isn't it really? A church that's motivated by obedience, man, because of what our God has done for us, because I don't know about you, maybe I'm the only one in here, I feel like I am a better sinner than John Newton was. I feel like I'm a better sinner than Paul was. Paul wrote, he is chief of sinners. I beg to differ with him. I think I'm better at it than he is. I don't know about you guys, but I was lost. I was undone. I was a heartbeat from hell, okay? So I know how messed up I was. So for, in my life, when my wife, my wife, now listen, my wife and I started dating, I was not a believer. And we didn't really go on a date. I mean, I had to go to the church to, if I wanted to see Connie. So, you know, I had to go to the church, and by the time, the longer I went there, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit kept poking at me and poking at me. And, of course, you know, I went there, and I was a typical, here I am, a typical teenage boy. I'm looking at some of the other teenagers in there, and they're in there out partying and drinking and all that, and they just got baptized six weeks ago. And I'm going, like, what is up with that? How did they, how's this happen? Their mouths are toilets. You know, I'm thinking, you know, what, what just happened? What just happened? And so then I spend two years of my life trying to figure out, uh, God, you didn't change their life. How are you going to change my life? Because at my house, cuss words were just the adjectives we used. So I thought, you know, hey, you know, not only am I a great sinner, I'm a great cusser. I can do all those things extremely well. I'm messed up. So when God came in my life, I'm telling you folks, he had to change me from the inside out. Because just because God comes in your life doesn't mean you get rid of those things. Matter of fact, they're still hard to live with sometimes. 
I'm glad I don't, you know, some people say, well, I just tell you what I think. I can't tell, I can't do that. If I tell you what I think sometimes, it gets me in a lot of trouble. And sometimes I think probably you people that say that, you need to think about what you say anyway. So uh, sorry about that one, but that one just come out. Uh, motivated by obedience again. So I am a great sinner. So when, when, when God saved my life, he saved my life. I mean, I was a heartbeat from hell, okay? The next thing, we need to be motivated by gratitude. You know what? It's not, a serve, it's, not, it's not a burden to serve God when we consider what great things He's done for us. It's not a burden to serve God when you consider the great things He's done for you and I. Matter of fact, let's look at uh, 1 Samuel 12, 24, which says these words, Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. Boy, we need to circle that word all, don't we? All your heart. We don't just serve when it's convenient. Oh, let me just tip God the same way you do your offering. You know, hey, hey God, here's your 10 bucks. Thank you. Uh, I mean, that's not, that's, not what God, that's not what it's about. We're motivated by gratitude, what he's done for us. I mean, do you remember being filled with no hope? Do you remember being guilty before God? I don't know about you, but when I sat on the pew for two years, white knuckle in the back, ask, I asked, would ask my wife, I'd say, just push me out. I think I can, I'll do it then. She just kept sharing Christ with me. I don't, what do you do with, one, with a woman like that? Well, you marry her. That's what you do with her. So, uh, I mean, she loved me more than just a, a, a boyfriend. All of a sudden, I realized that she really loved me. And listen, that's what Jesus did for you and I. Because we were bound and determined for a devil's hell and he stepped in for us and paid our price on the cross. So why should we serve him? It's not a burden to serve somebody because we can serve him through gratitude, through thankfulness. You know, look, if we can't, cannot be grateful servants of him who gave everything, then what will make us grateful? You need more money? I'm just going to tell you, that's a pit. If you can try that one, I'm, I, we've been down that road. You can try those things. Is it the perfect car? Is it the perfect boyfriend or girlfriend? Is that what's going to make you gratified and make you happy? No, it's not. I'm telling you. you I'm going to save you a whole lot of trouble. You might as well surrender now and not get beat up the rest of your life by the Holy Spirit because you've decided to do it your own way. Folks, we need to, we need to be motivated by gratitude. Next thing we need to be motivated by is gladness. You see, Psalms chapter 100 verse 2 says these words. And you've got to love this psalm because this is the psalm that we used uh, in the Thanksgiving messages that Brother Jackie gave us. It says, uh, to serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. How awesome is that? Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence. I love to sing. Do you not love to sing? Do you all love to sing? Amen. Somebody needs to tell your face that because I, mean, we, we, I love to sing. I love to sing. It may not sound really good. Matter of fact, the cool thing is I can just sing as loud as I want to. They mute, mute you on this thing. Uh, matter of fact, TJ was playing the drums. He said, make sure you mute that because if you don't, when you sing, it comes right in our ears. I said, oh, yes, sir. So I, I, does that mean I sing bad, God? So I, you know, I was, anyway, I, was, I had to pick my little selfish self up and say, oh, I'm pitiful. I can't sing now. But anyway, no, serve the Lord with gladness. It tells him to come into his presence with singing. Not grimly or begrudging. I mean, don't look hateful when you walk in the church, you know? I mean, there's a, there's a little, there's a, I'm going to give you a tip for some of you, especially young people, because it means a lot to you today. They say that it takes 64 muscles to frown. 64. And it takes 13 to smile. 
So if you don't want your jaws hanging down here, I mean, later in life, you know what? If, you, if, you, if your face is mean like that and it just falls all the way down to here, I mean, you're going to have to do something. You better keep smiling. If you want to stay up there, you better keep it smiling. Keep it up there, okay? So it won't hurt you to smile. Matter of fact, smile at the person next to you. See if they don't smile back. I said, y'all already smiled at each other right there. He didn't even want to, and he smiled. So you just can't help it. You just can't help it because that's the way it is. Serve the Lord with gladness. The next thing is this. Do y'all remember this, uh, in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 10, there's uh, Nehemiah 9, 10 says these words. It says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Listen, there's joy from smiling. There's joy from serving God. There's a lot of joy from serving God. Now, there's that bottom iceberg every now and then that you're going to have to deal with, but you know, you're just going to have to step over that one, okay? Nehemiah, in chapter 2, verse 2, King Artaxerxes questioned him. He says these words. Listen to this. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is your countenance sad? Are you sick? Now, this is the king. I don't know about in those days, you didn't have a whole lot of... you didn't make it very long if you were negative and, and downtrodden in your face every time that you walked in front of the king because he would just have you gotten rid of, took out behind the dumpster, as we'd say today. You can't hide a merry heart just like you can't hide a sad face. You can't hide it. Nehemiah wrote, because... And what, what was wrong? Nehemiah wanted to go back and rebuild the wall. He said, so, but he also understood too, you don't muck, you don't suck and mope when you serve a king. Serve the Lord with gladness. What has God did for us? That alone is enough, isn't it? Isn't that alone enough to cause us to have the spirit of gladness? Next thing is this, what about motivated by guilt, motivated by forgiveness, not guilt? You know, so many times people take positions because they're guilted into them. So look, we don't need to do that, okay? Listen, if God ain't called you to do it, please don't do it, okay? Just don't do it. But I guarantee He's called you to do something. Amen. And maybe you need to change your attitude. That would help you when it comes to doing something. The attitude that you have going into doing something. And listen, let's look at Isaiah, because I think this is pretty awesome. We actually sang this in one of our songs a while ago. Isaiah's famous vision, once God had forgiven him. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. It says these words, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the fire. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, This has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Can you all imagine? Do you remember the moment you gave your life to Jesus? That's exactly what just happened in Isaiah's life right here. He just gave, God just cleansed him of his sin. And once God cleanses you, I'm just telling you folks, you can't be the same. It changes you. It does. Some desires that you have, all of a sudden, they just change. They, ch- they change. I'm tell- I don't know how it happens. I don't know how God cleans up a tongue that was bad. I don't know how that happens, but God does. See, Isaiah was straining out of his skin in this next verse. Can you just imagine seeing him right here? It says, also I heard the voice of the Lord. Now all of a sudden, now listen, he's hearing the voice of the Lord. Now not the voice of me, but is the Holy Spirit maybe speaking to you today about what you're doing in service at Eden Westside Baptist Church? But he says... He heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Whom and who will go for us? 
Then said, now can you just see him straining out of his skin right here? Go, hey, I got it. I want to do it. Let me do it, please. And he says, here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. What an awesome opportunity we get to serve the Lord. You know what I mean? Because of the price that he's paid for you and I. But we're motivated by forgiveness, not because of guilt. Because God take, has taken away the guilt. Okay? Spurgeon has a quote that reads like this. It says, The child of God works not for life, but from life. He does not work to be saved. He works because he is saved. See, it's not a works theology. When you're saved, there's just, there's just results of salvation. You're going to want to do something for Jesus. And so many times we think, well, you know what? I'm not smart enough. Voila, here I am. Okay? I'm not smart enough. I don't have it all figured out. I don't, my life's not all together. Can I just let you know that if God forgave you of your past, can you not forgive your own self of your past? Matter of fact, Scripture tells us in Psalms, He casts our sins as far as the east is from the west, and He remembers them no more. So every time the devil keeps bringing up your past to him, you remind him of his future because your, your forgiveness was found at the cross when Jesus gave his life. So right now, for every one of us in this room, we serve because we are saved. We're a new creature. We're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, the word is so awesome. It says things are becoming. You know what that means? Every day it gets better. That's why there's no retirement age. We think, well, you know, hey, man, I can't wait to, to retire. Guess what? I figured it out. There's, there's no retirement age. You're never going to retire from ministry. Okay, and you might leave that drudgery job you got that you don't like, but you know what? Your ministry, you're going you, you're gonna to always be serving Christ in some way. I love it how a lot of our seniors do a lot of things around here. They show up and say, hey, can we do this? How awesome is that to be able to do that? How awesome is that? But we're motivated by forgiveness, not guilt. Again, Spurgeon's quote says this, the child of God works not for life, but from life. He does not work to be saved. He works because he is saved. How awesome is that to know today? We work because we are saved. Next thing is motivated by humility. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of John chapter 13. Jesus is with his 12 best friends at the time. And Jesus, I just want you to know, was the perfect servant. His, his greatness is seen in his lowliness. His willingness to experience in order to serve the most basic needs of those people that God had placed around him. And one of those would betray him. But listen how he served them all in humility. Verse 12 says, So after he had washed their feet, after he had washed their feet. Now listen, I, I don't know. Y'all like feet? Nobody likes feet, do they? Can you imagine? I mean, we got shoes on today. We wear socks. We walk around on pavement. There's carpet in here. You know what? In their day, it was dirt. It was dirt roads. It was dusty. Their feet were caked up. Can you imagine traveling and how... And listen, we show this beautiful picture of them all sitting at tables. They wasn't no table back in that day. They didn't sit at a table. You know what? They, they, didn't, they didn't sit in a chair. You know, it's, it's believed, theologians believe and they teach that they was like, it was like the table was on the floor. It had no legs. The table had no legs. And so what they did, because your feet stunk, you're not going to sit down at the table. You're not going to Indian style, it just plopped down right there. Well, they would put their head toward the table and their hands and eat. And their feet would be behind them. 
And the lowliest of servants that was in that house at that time would come around to every person and wash their feet while they ate. That's the Jesus we serve. That's the Jesus that gave his life on the cross for you and I. He wasn't too good to wash somebody's feet. You know, sometimes we say, well, I ain't do that job. That job ain't cool. I got to have a cool job if I'm going to be in the church. Or that's a, you know, who would want to do that job? We're not going to weed eat. That's anybody can do that. I mean, come on, folks. We've got to be motivated by humility. So after he had washed their feet and he had taken his garments and he sat down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, so am I. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also too wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example. Did you hear that? God gave us an example through Jesus that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily. Anytime it's repeated twice in the Bible, it's got heavy meaning. Truly, truly. Verily, verily. I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. Neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, listen, here's a key. We are searching for this all over the place. Happy are ye if you do them. Can I tell you all the other night we came back from Carolyn? Man, I, I had kids say, man, that was so awesome. Thank you for taking us to do that. Can I tell you, I've carried kids on stinking roofs where they got bit by bugs and fell through roofs and stuff like that, and they've come back and said, man, Brother Benny, that was so fun. That was so awesome. Can we go do that again? And I'm thinking, look, we learned to do that there so that we can come back and do it here where we live. All the, a lot of times when you go off to these camps, they want to split your kids up, and I won't let them split my kids up. They want to split your kids up because they want your kids to work with other people to, they say, will help develop a leader. I'm trying to get my kids to work together here so that they'll work together when we get home, so that they can do it while we're here, so that they don't say what they did with another group. I was like, hey, look, we caught you leading over here, so now you've got to do this. So it's part, part of what's like, and I'm so excited today when I look back across students that I have had the privilege of being a part of their life and God done something great because we exposed them to service. Again, there's nothing greater than serving Christ. But we've got to work on how we're serving it. What's our attitude? Motivated by uh, obedience, gratitude, gladness, forgiveness, humility. And the last one is this, motivated by love. Motivated by love. At the heart of service, according to Galatians 5.13, is love. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not that liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But, love that word, by love serve one another. How awesome is it? I, you know what job that I think is the coolest job? Greeters in the front of the church. How awesome would it be not to be the greeter? How hard is that? All you got to do is be able to move your mouth up. Hey, how are you doing? Glad you're here. That's all, only, that's all you got to say. Pat people on the back. So glad to see you today. I go by there two or three times just because I just like it. You know? It's kind of like, have you ever run out at a football game? You know, I remember running out at a football game and running out in sports games You know, as a basketball player, all those athletes. I always wanted to do that again. I mean, just after we did it because the fans went crazy when you did it. Same way when you walk in here. We know what we do with seventh graders, don't, don't, sixth graders. They're not in here yet, but the sixth graders that are going in the seventh, what we do is we create that same thing for them. We have them run into the Rocky thing. because, And the reason we have them run into the Rocky thing is because, like, hey, we're so glad you're in the youth now. 
You know, that's the way it should be when we walk in the church. That's the way it should be when we walk into life discovery class. Not, hey, you in my seat, dude, get up. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, sometimes that's kind of what happens, isn't it? You know, hey, what are they doing in my seat? That's my seat. I sit on the second row. What are you doing in my seat? He's in my seat. Hey, pastor, he's in my seat. Okay, listen, that's not, we're motivated by love. Now, love's hard for us to understand because three different meanings in Scripture. you got the agape, philea, and eros love. A lot of times I'm afraid the agape is the God love, the eros love is a sensual love. The phileo is afraid the love that we've caught. You know, the if love. Hey, you know what? I love you if you wash my car. I love you if you go to town and get me a couple of cheeseburgers. I love you if you'll buy me this. If you'll give me this. Folks, every Christian's gifted to serve. Every one of us. God has a plan for every person to serve. But serving's hard work. You know, the question today is, as our praise team comes, where's God calling you to serve? Is he calling you to serve? Or is he calling you to give your life to Jesus? Maybe you're here today and you're lost. You never gave your life to Jesus. Hey, I, I just want you to know that, man, there's a God that loves you, that loved you so much he sent his son to, son to die on a cross, that paid your sin debt. And listen, listen, we've been trying to figure out this sin thing ever since Genesis chapter 3, uh, where Adam and Eve realized, hey, you know what? We don't measure up. Who told you didn't measure up? Well, the devil did. Do you know that with Christ... We all measure up. But we've been trying to fix that. We don't feel like we're good enough. And that's why Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. When they sinned in the garden, you and I inherited that sin. That's why Scripture tells us for the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But God says these words, if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible says thou shalt be saved. I still believe that today. I still believe that today. I still believe that we serve a saving God. So maybe today, and I'm going to give you the bottom line, which says this, wanted, gifted volunteers for difficult service in the local expression of the kingdom of God. That's just a long bunch of words to say the church, okay? Motivation. To serve should be obedience to God, gratitude, gladness, forgiveness, humility, and love. Service is rarely to be glorious. Temptation to quit a place of service will sometimes be strong. Volunteers must be faithful in spite of long hours, little or no visible results, and possibly no recognition except from the very God we serve in eternity. So today, maybe you need to accept Christ as your Savior. Maybe you need to check your motivation at the door. Maybe you're a believer and you don't know how to get involved. Man, come see me. I'm a uh, I'm going to get you connected. Maybe today you need to join this great church. What a great way to start or close out the year and start the new year by giving your life to Jesus, by joining this great church, or by checking your motivation and saying, you know what, God, I haven't, been, I haven't been serving you in the right attitude. But I want to fix that today. Because the good thing is, you don't have to leave here like you came. Because the God we serve, is a forgiving God. That's why in 1 John 1, 9, he says if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Folks, we serve a loving, forgiving God. My prayer today 
as our ministers come forth is that each one of us, each one of us in this room would make the decision that the Holy Spirit's requesting us to make. Now, I know how the salvation things works. Listen, if I can talk you into getting saved, as soon as you walk out the door, the devil will talk you out of it. But if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, I can't stop you either. So tonight, or this morning, what is God calling you to do? Maybe it's just to pray right where you are. Maybe it's to thank God for allowing you to serve. Would you stand with us? And today, come and see one of these ministers. Maybe your decision needs to be made public. And God... We'll just pray that God uses every one of us in a special way this upcoming 2018. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the day. Ask now your blessings now on each one that is here. And as we enter this time of invitation, God, will you speak to our hearts in Jesus' name.